0: So this morning uh, I, this morning I want to talk about something very, very simple, and I want to talk about remembering the personal Jesus, because above all else, Jesus is a very personal God. He comes to us and he desires to know us in very intimate and personal ways. and sometimes we can forget that he is a personal Jesus in that he meets us at our point. Of need. So go with me, if you would, into Mark chapter 6. We're going to read verses 45 to 52. Um, you're either in your physical Bible, electronic Bible, if you're watching online, then I trust that, uh, likewise, you have something that you can refer to. And this is a very familiar account, and you may wonder why. Well, I'll explain it as, I, as we go through. So, Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52, and it reads like this. Immediately, speaking of Jesus, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up onto a mountain to pray. And evening came, and the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, with the, wi- uh, with the, wi- for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, and that's an interesting phrase, that he meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea. They thought he was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat and with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And That's an interesting phrase we read read there, where it says, "And he meant to pass them by." And elsewhere in Scripture, we read almost that same phrase. We read it when when Jesus went to the temple, and there was the blind man outside the temple, crying out, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" And Jesus was about to pass by. We read it um, again, you know, in this account where he's on the water. And it says, Jesus was about to pass them by. We read it when we read the account of Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And it, again, in some translation, it says, Jesus was about to pass by. And that's an important phrase because it's not by accident that Jesus was about to pass by and intends to, and, and looks to pass by. David, when he led us in the communion this morning, spoke about the communion emblems. And he spoke about them, you know, not letting them pass you by. And I believe it's this. You see, Jesus always wants us. Jesus draws close enough to us that we can smell him, touch him, see him. But unless we invite him into our lives, then Jesus will just keep walking. There's, a, there's a, uh, an imperative that we as individuals invite the Lord Jesus into our lives. And likewise, when we read the accounts there where Jesus was about to pass by, Jesus would probably have kept going if those individuals hadn't called out to him in in those circumstances. And I want to say to you this morning that whatever situation you are in, Jesus is closer than you think. Jesus is ready to pass by, but he's longing for you to call out to him. He's longing for you to invite him into his life. And this morning I want to talk about the undeniable and the transformative reality of a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus is always personal. I think I did a, I think I did a series um, a, a while back which might have been called Personal Jesus. In a world where there are impersonal interactions and shallow connections. We are blessed to serve a God who desires a personal and an intimate relationship with every single one of us, with each one of us. Whoever you are, wherever you are, the same Jesus desires to have a personal intimate relationship with every single one of us. Our faith isn't just about rules and rituals. It's about encountering a living, personal, powerful Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because it is. It's about an encounter with Jesus. I've said before about when we we look at the Word, it's not just about reading the Word, but it's about engaging, allowing the Word to interact with us, the, the Word that is Jesus, and to change and to transform us. We have a God who loves us and desires to know us individually. He walks with us through the circumstances of our life. He walks with us through the trials. He rejoices in our victories. He's not just a God of the mountaintop experience. But he's a God of our valley moments as well. Amen. He's a God who desires to know us. And John 3.16 which I think we've already had this morning. I think someone prayed it or, or, or or something this morning. John 3.16 reminds us about this divine intimacy that Jesus wants with us. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What a great way, what a great demonstration of so godly intimacy that God loves us so much that he, through this act of sacrificial love, he demonstrated his desire to have a relationship with us. This this act of giving his only son demonstrates that that our faith is rooted in a personal relationship with Jesus because God gave his only son. God gave his only son because he desires to have a relationship with us. Jesus didn't come disconnected. He didn't come as a disconnected God. He didn't come as a disconnected, as a divorced figure, as a figure divorced from human affair, divorced from human emotion. But instead, Jesus came as the en- embodiment, as the, the, the sort of package demonstrating, showing God's love, showing God's grace, but more importantly, showing God's presence. God, in and through Christ Jesus, desires to be close to us. And he desires that we draw near to him. He desires that not only that he knows us, but he also desires that we know him. You see, at the heart of the Christian faith lies an extraordinary event called the incarnation, the fact that God himself came down to earth, um, was made flesh, confined himself to human form. And John 1.14 reminds us and says this, the word became flesh and Jesus dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Now we in our English translation says, translates it as glory, but the Hebrew word is the word Shekinah and uh, that word Shekinah literally means dwelling or settling and so it talks about a God who came and dwelt with us who settled in a world it talks about a God who stepped out of eternity creator of heaven and earth Um, The God of all eternity, it speaks about a God who stepped out of eternity and came, funneled, if you like, himself into our world. And he chose to dwell amongst men. He chose to settle amongst us so that we might have intimacy, so that we might know him. This divine act of settling or dwelling is an unparalleled display of the love of God. And we need to grasp hold of that. There are countless planets throughout our solar system, throughout the universe. But the God, the creator, the one who holds all things together chose this tiny planet called Earth, chose this uh, group of people called, called humanity in order to reveal himself and to and to dwell amongst that makes us rather special that makes that demonstrates the love of God that he was totally um, intentional about revealing himself to us. He is so determined that um, that we would know him, that he came to us in human form so that we might have an idea about the character and the nature of God, but more importantly, it demonstrates his desire to be with us. It it shows his desire to understand human suffering, to understand the struggles of life so that he might be best positioned to care for us. You see, Jesus, we know, was born into poverty. He faced temptation. He felt the joy and the pains of human life. But in Jesus, and again I heard it this morning, Jesus is the one who bridged the gap between that which is divine and that which is human, that which is of heaven and that which is of earth. Jesus came to bridge that gap so that we might know him. So that we might have relationship. The incarnation, friends, is a testimony of God's personal investment in us. It's personal. He chose to reveal himself to us. And elsewhere in the scriptures, this Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd. I think you can read about it in John 10. 14 to 15. He refers to himself as the good sh- shepherd, the one who knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. And more than that, when we picture uh, the shepherd again in uh, biblical times in Jesus' day, the shepherd would be the one who would put himself between the sheep and uh, potential danger, the wolves that would come to steal or to kill the sheep. And the shepherd Once the sheep were in the sheep pen, would become the gate. He would literally lay down uh, in the gate, and he would be literally the gate. Hence, when Jesus says that he is the gate, that's the image we have. He's the one that sets himself between um, heaven and earth. He's the one who sets himself between um, those things that would wear us down and come against us, and uh, and and he's the one who protects. And guards us. That picture of the Good Shepherd is an image of the personal nature of our relationship with Jesus. He's the one who is willing to lay down his life. In fact, he has laid down his life for us because he's made it personal. He's the shepherd who the Bible tells us will leave the 99 in order to pursue and go and find. The one, the one that is lost because he cares for our individual needs. He cares for um, our lives. God is invested in our lives and he wants to know us. He knows intimately our deepest fears. He knows our hopes. He knows our aspirations and he knows our struggles because he became Man, And the parable of the lost sheep, which we read in Luke 15, portrays Jesus as that good shepherd, the one who comes to us, the one who wants to know us, the one who protects us. Jesus is a personal God and we need to remember that he is a personal Jesus. And in this cosmic plan of redemption, Jesus, the personal God, calls us friends. He calls us friends. He says we're no longer enemies. We're no longer uh, at war with him, but he refers to us as friends in John 15, 15. I don't know, imagine for a moment the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds all things together, the one who has far better things to do or could be doing far better things. Imagine for a moment the God of all creation calling us friend. The fact that Jesus calls us friends evidences this personal Connection. This personal, this desire to have a personal connection with us. Like so many of you, I know people, and um, and uh, I have a, a, a relationship with people. But there are few people, or a, there is a small group that I would say are friends, in the sense of those that know me, those that will stand with me, those that will bear me up. And likewise, um, for, for I do the same for them. And no doubt, you're exactly the same. You, have, you know a wide group of people. But there are few people that you would really consider to be called friends. And yet, Jesus calls us friends. It evidences the personal connection that, he, that God desires with us. Through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, He not only redeems us from our sin, but he invites us into a friendship, into an authentic, genuine friendship with him. Through the cross, God tells us that we can know him. Through the cross, it tells us that we no longer have to stand at distance, but through the cross, he invites us uh, to come closer, to draw near to him in order that we might know him. The cross is the ultimate symbol of Jesus' personal sacrifice and of our salvation. The cross, it doesn't get any more personal than that. You see, Jesus, whether whether you've accepted him or not, he's the one who bore the uh, the cross, uh, the ultimate symbol of shame for our Sin. He's the one who laid down his life for our sin. He bore our sins, offering his life as a ransom for many, it tells us in Mark 10 45. A ransom for many. Only Jesus was able to pay the price. Only Jesus could pay the cost of our sin. And it highlights this deep love for each one of us individually. Jesus loves you. And that's not just a generic term that is just thrown out there. Jesus, when we hear that term, Jesus loves you, he is speaking to you individually. He is speaking to you personally. He is speaking into your situation. He didn't die for humanity in an abstract sense in that it was just a generic death, but Jesus died for you and for me personally. When he hung on that cross, he looked down through the corridors of eternity and he saw you. He saw me. And more than that, he didn't just see us. He called us. He knew us by name. And knowing everything about us, he gave his life so that we might have a way to know the Father, so that, we, so that the broken relationship that sin had effected in our lives might be repaired, restored, and that we might be reconciled again to God. You see, we have a Jesus who, whose love knows no bounds. There is nothing, and he, he's done it all. Jesus paid it all, the song says. There is nothing that Jesus wouldn't do in order that we might be reconciled to the Father. And as Pentecostals, as those who believe in the life and the power of the Spirit, we celebrate the outpouring of Holy Spirit, don't we? We celebrate the Shekinah, the fact that God, by His Spirit, has made His dwelling place in us the fact that god by his spirit has settled in us he has chosen to live in us and the indwelling of holy spirit serves as a constant reminder of the personal presence of jesus the holy spirit in us reminds us that god is always with us not external not outside but he is with us. He has made his dwelling in us. And through Holy Spirit is the reminder that Jesus himself continues to be active in our lives. Through Holy Spirit, it reminds us that Jesus has a personal presence in our lives. He's not someone that we have to look to and go and find, but he has made his habitation, his dwelling place in us. His spirit helps us to know his voice, to discern his voice. His spirit helps us to experience his peace that is beyond natural understanding. His spirit allows us to grow and to develop and deepen our relationship with him. Why? Because he has chosen to dwell in us. Not apart from us, but in us. And in all of this, in terms of knowing Jesus, there is prayer. Prayer is the most intimate relationship or way that we can communicate with our Father. I've often described prayer as simple conversation (coughs) because that's what it is. When we go into prayer we do not, we don't have to change our language. We don't have to go into these and thou's because it's about a relationship. Prayer is our communication with God our Father through word. But it's also our listening, <coughs> listening to what the Father has to say, taking time to wait on him. Jesus invites us when we pray, I think Matthew 6, 6, he invites us to take ourselves aside and to go into that secret place. That place away from all distractions so that we can focus on him, so that we can hear him, so that we can commune with him. Our God, our Father desires to reveal his heart to us. He desires to know us and he desires that we might know him. I wonder how many of us have underestimated or played down this personal relationship with Jesus. I wonder how many of us have let Jesus pass us by when he's been so close and all he wants us to do is to invite him into our lives. All he wants to do is that we might know him. In this moment, maybe if it helps, close your eyes. In this moment, where is Jesus in your life? (coughs) Is he at distance? Is he one of many in a crowd? Is he an option amongst other gods? Let me tell you, Jesus is not an option. He's the only way. The Bible makes it clear He is the way, the truth, and the life. Is Jesus near?